We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. So I just keep shouting out the YouTube channel, Seahawks Man-to-Man on YouTube. That is the number two man. But also shout out to our Spotify, Apple, and Athletic listeners as well. Uh, Chris, talk to him. Since I'm a big time like Dugar here, I'll give my Twitter handle. It is CKID206. And as you can see us on the ticker there, if you're watching us on YouTube, and that's CKID206. All right, we are back with our uh, midweek episode. Uh, it's week eight. The Seahawks are about to play the 6-1 and one New York Giants. Uh, to talk about the New York football Giants, we have Giants beat writer for The Athletic, uh, Charlotte Carroll, on the line. Charlotte, what's going on? Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. Not much. It's good vibes over in New York with a 6-1 start, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's got to be nice up there in New York with both the teams uh, being good. You know, what are the Jets? Five and two, I think. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah, and then so. the Giants are, are six and one. That's that's bit you you just started covering the team recently, so that's kind of a nice start for you, huh? Jumping in on a good team. Yeah, I've been told I'm the good luck charm, so I don't want to hold that uh, too high and mighty because that <laughs> might backfire on me very quickly. But no, I started in August, so this is my first season in the NFL world first season on the Giants beat and it's been really fun and really a good way to kind of dive into it in a rebuild year and and just they've made it easy in terms of, of getting to know people and it's been fun kind of getting to watch them uh, turn this around. Yeah, covering a team that's winning. It's just there's really nothing, nothing that beats that. Uh, it's yeah. uh, very fun. Uh, the Giants are, I don't want to say somehow, but I will somehow six and one. Um, <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. How, Explain this to us. How the hell are the Giants six and one right now? I think I keep asking myself that every week um, as I'm trying to figure out what to write post game. It's kind of like insane times a thousand. I've asked my editor that, and that's unfortunately not allowed. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's really they're just getting it done. I think they're just being out. They're out coaching their opponents, and then ways when it counts, and it to the point where when you ask players about like, is this magical? Like. Are you guys like sick of being underdogs? They're sick of just talking about this. They don't want to like think that they're underdog. They don't think they're underdogs. They know they can be in these situations. 
they're mad at themselves that they're even in these late game situations. I mean, they've been playing down to the wire for the last couple of games against Packers, against their wins against the Packers, the Ravens, and now most recently the Jaguars. So you talk to them and like, just take this past week, for example, where they had the ball with under four minutes left, chance to kind of seal the game. Saquon Barkley steps out of bounds um, with too much time remaining. And he took like really important or took big responsibility for that mistake. And the defense kind of saved his, uh, saved them there. But they're they're sick of being asked these questions. They they know they can pull it out, and they don't want to they don't want to make those mistakes anymore. You gotta love a, a a lovable underdog in the New York media market. That's great. That's that's great. Uh, I feel like it uh, takes a lot for that to happen. It takes years and years of ineptitude, um, and 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 no franchise quarterbacks and and coaches switching in and out. And yeah, no, to be. But you're right. I think they're the underdog this week, aren't they? Chris, yeah. No? yeah, yeah, they're down. Yeah, it's Seahawks minus three. So there you have it. Wow, minus three. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty nuts. Uh, the the I think you use the word magical. Uh, the word I would use, lucky, at least on paper, because I was looking at something. Um, it's funny. My uh, the homie covers the Texans. Uh, shout out to DJ, and he was mentioning that the Texans have like one of the best point differentials, I think, through three quarters. And then they're getting, like, getting outscored by like, by like 40 or something like that in the fourth. He's like, oh, they're not that bad. I was like, no. That's what bad teams do is get their ass kicked in the fourth. And the reason I even know that stat about the Texans is because I was looking at the Giants who are outscoring okay. their team, outscoring teams by 30, yeah, plus 36 in the fourth quarter. That's second best in the league wow. behind the Jets somehow, um, which is just incredible. Um, so – is it and like I think you mentioned, all their games have been one score games, um, which is just nuts. So they're coming finding ways to win. Um, is is that sustainable? And uh, two questions: Is that sustainable? And then uh, the way that they have won, you know, is it luck? A little bit of coaching? What, what's going on specifically at the ends of games for these guys? You know, I think we can easily say it's luck, but I think it is the coaching. I mean, the staff is Brian Dable came from Buffalo, brought in guys that he both knew, kind of some of his assistants or excuse me, uh, other coaches, but then his coordinators came from places where he hadn't been before and hadn't worked with. So he really like intuitively chose the guys that he um, kind of who could bring the best and, and the most differences um, and interesting stuff with Wink Martindale and, and Mike Kafka. So you got to give those guys credit for what they're doing. But I don't know. I think it's just they're playing their butts off in that final quarter. I don't know what it is. They find ways to like screw things up and then penalties and injuries have been a big problem with this team as well. Um, just, it feels like every game is you lose like uh, they lost three starters um, this past week, but it's just, they're finding ways to get it done. I don't know. I think the, the luck is there, but then also like they're closing it out when it counts. I mean, you've got those goal stand defensive or defensive goal stands with Fabian Moreau, like barreling into the, the Jaguar and then the Julian Love and McKinney or Xavier McKinney making the tackle. So it's not just like a fall of the ball in like the best spot. Like it's, they're doing what they need to do to close it out. Yeah. The injury wise, didn't, didn't somebody, just, somebody got a broken eye now? <laughs> yeah. It was very, it wasn't pretty. He, I saw him as he walked out and he had like a towel over it and, or like a compress. I thankfully didn't see the eye in person. Um, just the, the TV screenshot of that. But uh, he's supposed to have surgery this week. Uh, I think it's like an orbital bone reconstruction, if I'm correct on that. It's, but they're hopeful, granted it's very early, that the rookie Daniel Bellinger can, can make it back uh, this season because he's been having a good season so far. And uh, 
offense that doesn't have a lot of wide receiver products because of injuries, partly. Um, Daniel Ballinger has been making an impact at tight end. Chris, had you seen that? The, like the tight end has like a broken face. Did you see that? No, I have not. You seen don't, that. don't, don't do it. Don't, don't look it up. I don't think I will. I, I'm no, good. I, well, I'm gonna find a picture and probably send it to you if there, if, if such things exist. Uh, oh, they exist. <laughs> oh yeah, we got it. We got to see. It's I'm, it's it's actually kind of ironic. I'm gonna do that to Chris because last year when Russ broke his finger and he had mallet finger, fans were like unprompted sending me clips of or pictures of the times they had it and i was like it's gross their fingers are like going the wrong way and it's like i didn't ask don't i don't care no one wants to see that i didn't even want to see clips of russ's finger when it happens like no dan from amazon i don't want to see your broken finger you know from your high school days it's uh that's weird uh but let's let let's uh let's make some picks let's make some picks chris who should go first ladies Uh, first Ladies first. Thanks. All right, no Charles. Pressure. <laughs> Who's going to win on Saturday? You know, just given what I've seen from the Giants, it's very hard, even though they're the underdogs. I think it's hard to bet against them. They just keep finding ways to close it out. I mean, this is going to be a different environment. I've personally never been to Seattle, and, or let alone played there, obviously, not an NFL player. But um, I know it's going to be a, a tough environment, but I have to go with the Giants on this one. It's funny you use the words, uh, don't, don't want to bet against them. Chris has... Bet against the Seahawks. <laughs> How many times now in a row, Chris? You know, you bet against them too. I don't want to hear it. I didn't. I haven't bet against them. Like I didn't money. bet against them, but on this pod, I have. Didn't you? You lost money betting against the Seahawks, didn't you? First yeah, week opening opening night, I did. That was rough. <laughs> that was it. Other than that, I've been betting on this segment. And yes, I. I'm done betting against the Seahawks, so I'll go ahead and go next. I'm taking the Seahawks to win. I'll say 30 to 24. That's right. Charlotte, what score do you have? Ooh, I don't know. The score is where things get a little dicey. Like the Giants have not had high scoring uh, games. I will go, I'll stick with 24, but I'll do 24, 21. Wow. Close one. Yeah. I mean, hey, we got to stick with the trend. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Now, the Seahawks have had – they had a year, I think, of 2019 where they were pretty much like the Giants are now. I think they played like – and it was 16-game season, probably like 14 one-score games, 13. It was in the teens, I wanted. It was just an unbelievable number of one-score games. Crazy. It just, yeah, it was It was, It was. was real – some fluky stuff, some good – some games that were they were getting blown out and then brought it back to mess with that number, and then some games where they were blowing the team out, and then the other team came back to mess with that number. But, yeah, it was very – very strange here. I'm stalling a little bit. Uh, I will take, <laughs> well, cause I was thinking about this. You today. put me I'm, on the spot, but you don't want to answer. <laughs> yeah, well, usually I don't even make a pick. It was great. This year yeah. we switched it up. Yeah. I, I've actually skated. Chris and I have skated just putting our guests on the spot at the end of the show. And it was a fantastic, fantastic setup. Uh, it was great. Uh, cause as, as our listeners are learning, Chris and I are shit at picking games. Terrible. <laughs> Uh, like I'm in our little expert panel thing for the athletic and I'm, I think I got the second worst record. Uh, it's just uh, very bad. Uh, I, I'm a roll with Seattle here. Very close. Um, for reasons I'll get into one of them is I just, I'm very worried about the giants defense here. They just, they do, they, uh, they, they have some numbers and I watched a little bit of tape and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is shaky. I can see why the games have been coming down <laughs> to, to the wire here. I can, specifically, the run numbers are pretty shaky. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll actually we'll, we'll we'll kick things we'll kick things off though with the run game. The other side about talking about Saquon, but I'll take the Seahawks. Uh, twenty-one to nineteen. Very, very close. Very close. I got the. I think that's actually the Giants covering there for my gamblers uh, uh, who, who listen here. Yeah, take the Giants to cover, Seahawks to win here. All right, let's let's jump into our players, Chris. Who let's do it. Yes, his name is Saquon Barkley. He is back after two years injury riddled. Just unfortunate, but that happens in the NFL. You wrote a piece, I want to say, going on three weeks ago, just looking at the team and expectations. They have exceeded it because they're at that point four and one or three and one. And you had the team MVP, I say, Quan Barkley. I don't think that has changed much because right now he is second in the league in rushing yards right behind Nick Chubb as he is handling things. So based off of what you've seen so far this season, excuse me, do you think he's going to continue the success against the Seahawks? Could he have another dominant performance where he gets maybe – 100 yards, and that allows Daniel Jones to find guys, his receivers, even though that receiving group isn't elite. I mean, their leading receiver, I don't even know if our listeners would even know who he is, but he was on the Niners last year. But outside of that, looking at Saquon Barkley, is he going to continue the success that he's having so far this year with against going against the Seahawks? I think so. I mean, it's hard to discount what he's been able to do each game. For those who might not be aware, he's been dealing with a shoulder injury so, but he's playing through it. Like you can see it's obviously paining him. And he talked a little bit about not necessarily like the injury specific, but he didn't like the way he was playing on Sunday against the Jaguars. He thought he was playing a bit soft and kind of thinking about the wrong things, which if you kind of want to infer, like we could kind of guess it was probably thinking about his injury a little bit. Um, and just the, from that aspect of things, when a player kind of is talking about playing soft, I feel like revenge game is is on the horizons, even though this man recorded another 100-yard uh, rushing game on just on Sunday. But it, it's really interesting because defenses put such attention on him throughout the game that they just kind of wears them down. And by the fourth quarter, he might not have those 100 yards, or excuse me, by the end of the third. But then the fourth, he just finds ways and finds holes and, and finds ways to break tackles. And you're just like, what am I watching? I don't understand how he's doing this. It's really fun from that perspective, just to see him find these routes and, and the way he's able to break those tackles. Um, so as long as he can play through the pain, I don't see why it stops. Like you see him go, I think in both of the, the last two games, he's gone to the sidelines after a big run or kind of a, a little hit to the shoulder, but um, he comes back in and he keeps doing Saquon things. And how is he out of the backfield? I see he has 25 receptions on the year. Are they using him more than you would expect or probably just about the same rate maybe as previous years when he was healthy? I think it's about the same. I mean, I wasn't here those previous years when he was healthy, so it's kind of hard for me to say, and I would have to look a little bit more at the stats. But he is, I mean, he's a reliable target for Daniel Jones on a team where, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of healthy uh, standout wide receivers. The Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay are both sidelined currently with uh, hamstring injuries and um, respectively uh, for Tony, two hamstring injuries, and then Galladay with something else. But um, Wait, so two hamstring injuries? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kadarius Tony had one hamstring injury that he kind of just recovered from, was making progress. And then the London trip, they announced that he was not going to be playing because he tweaked something on the other hamstring. So that's oh why he's been out for the last couple games. I've always wondered if that's a possibility and you have provided yeah. that answer. That is very unfortunate. Yeah. Wow. 
it, it's really difficult because he is so, I mean, he's obviously struggled through injuries during his career with the Giants, but he's such a dynamic wide receiver that he would really kind of provide a lift and we could really kind of see Daniel Jones maybe in a little bit of a different element. So that's been the question of when he's healthy, if he's healthy this season, what can he provide to the, the pass game that's missing at the current moment? All right, this is going to be kind of a – you kind of gave an answer, but I'm also going to spin it because I want to see who has the advantage because right now the Seahawks' defense is flipping things around. They're figuring it out. They're slowing down run teams that want to run it, although the Chargers aren't a good running football team. They, they had a great week against the Browns, but the Browns also are not good at defending the run, so a little bit of give and take there. But do you think the Seahawks have an advantage or are you thinking the Giants have the advantage with their offensive line going to move some of these guys out the way and create running lanes? Because right now, Saquon Barkley's averaging he's, before contact is averaging 2.6 yards before he even gets touched. So is that going to continue this week with that offensive line, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but you can tell me now, like, what do, who do you think has the advantage here? Um, well, with the offensive line, we actually enter another interesting point thanks to injuries. Uh, mm. Giants lost two of their uh, Ben Bredesen, Evan Neal, both mm. went down on Sunday uh, with injuries, left guard and their one of their tackles. So Evan Neal's a rookie, but he's been playing well. Bredesen um, both had knee injuries. So it's kind of a – I don't think they'll be playing this week, given, given C. I think uh, Neal has an MCL sprain. And then Bredesen, just a, a knee thing. Um, so that kind of already you have people, and that's been the story of this team, is that for so all these injuries, you've got people stepping up and these players have managed to get through. Um, I think that'll probably be a big test this weekend. Again, feels like each week is another big test. So I don't know. I think if this team wins, which I am now predicting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to give the advantage to this O-line that they figure it out. But there's we'll definitely things to monitor. Like, that is something to consider, though, for, for everyone listening. We always have an over-under, and I'll go ahead. Since we're on Saquon Barkley, we won't have to go to it towards the end. I'll just go ahead and give it to you now. Over-under, 92.5 rushing yards for Saquon going up against the Seahawks defense this Sunday. What you got? If they win, he goes over. No, I know if you gotta take it. <laughs> you, go. you gave us a winning. You said the Giants <laughs> are gonna win. So based on that, you're saying over. Over. You see, easy. Don't try to back out. I hear you though. No, I'm giving <laughs> myself a clause. <laughs> Mike, you managed to get yourself out of these kind of questions. Oh yeah, so I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't do the the um, the over unders. Uh, how are our guests doing this year, Chris? On over unders. Oh, let me pull it up. I'm sure I can guarantee I'll probably do horribly on this. I am not a better. No, you'd be I'm surprised. In Vegas. <laughs> Reporters this year are six and three, so it's not bad. Oh, so okay. You're, you're not. I'm not six and three. Excuse me. They haven't played nine games. Let me be mad. So that would be four and four and three. So not terrible, but I think I think you guys would be fine. This is what not a bad have, one. What we have last week? Who was last week? Last week it was Popper. He went with two and a half. We did two. Uchenna, two and a half sacks. That didn't happen. He had a rough day. But uh, what was it? Mike Williams? Yeah, that that didn't help, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. Players okay. got hurt. It happens. Well, I mean, he got hurt like in the fourth quarter, like their last drive. So, yeah, if he didn't hit the over, it's uh, – yeah. All right, yeah. No, the Charlotte, we definitely get out of those. <laughs> you put us on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why you guys got the got the insight, you know, like – uh. We watch you watch TV of you know coverage of football or any sport, honestly, during the week, and it's all these national people. But beat writers know like 
so yeah. much more um, as they should um, about any any beat writers. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, when I see the beat writers on TV and stuff like that, even if it's just you know via you know FaceTime or whatever on CMO Sports Center, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Saquon's numbers, man. He is killing it. Yeah, really efficient. Runs against a lot of loaded boxes, which is probably terrible for a shoulder injury. Yeah, um, he he keeps getting hit. It's and you just see it kind of let him like wince or go to the sides, and you're like, ow, 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 but he keeps playing through it. Mm. God, 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 God bless that man. Because who, man? Let me see. Let me get this number right here before we move on to uh, my boy uh, Danny Dimes here. Saquon is 12th in percentage of runs against eight-man boxes. He's at 44%. That's high. That is that is rough for a guy with a bad shoulder. That's not uh, that's not great. Yeah, God, Godspeed to him and hitting the hitting the over as Charlotte has guaranteed us <laughs> that he will he will do here uh, because you are. Uh, First time guest, you are new to my favorite question to ask people on the show. I just let it go. It's only four words. I just there's no context. You take it from there. Is, is Daniel Jones good? Ooh, that is a, a question the entire New York market has been asking since he was drafted. And this year he's going into an interesting contract situation, which going into the season was like, I don't know, pretty straightforward for fans and outsiders to kind of talk about but obviously he's got the season to prove himself and he's been doing that um is he good I mean for what he's done and what I've seen again only a season you have to admire what he's done and what he's able to do and, and to keep putting them in situations to win and to close it out um and I think it speaks to the coaching staff too for recognizing what he's good at which is his like run game they're putting him in situations to to run the ball and to rush and you you saw in that fourth quarter um that final offensive drive, they ran like, I don't know if you saw that breakdown from Dan Orlovsky. Oh, you'll have to look at it after. Eight plays in a row. Eight, eight plays That's in a row, the same thing. And it's like, it was working. Um, and part of that success and like Danny, Danny Dimes, uh, he doesn't have the receiving core to like make those like long throws. He, You saw him get visibly frustrated for the first time this week when uh, some, after some drops. So He's got the legs. It's not always smart because he's had the history of injuries, but he's able to power the offense through him and uh, Saquon, where the both uh, over 100 yards this week. The first, uh, it's what the third time that's happened in Giants history, I think, is the stat. And the first time it's been a quarterback who's been a part of that stat. So you got to admire that what the coaching staff has done to put him in successful situations. Um, so yeah, I'm going with good based on what I've seen. There we go. Wow. I was wondering where we could come back around to whether he's good, good or not. No, we yeah, did. we're giving the details and we'll get back. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, Chris, did you see that Dan Orlovsky breakdown? On, on, I think it was NFL Live. I want to say. I'll send it to you after so you have it. Um, but it's really fascinating to watch. I mean, just for me, coming from a perspective where I like haven't done a lot of football stuff, it's really interesting to watch like expert breakdowns and like film breakdowns. And that is just to see that run successfully over and over is really, really cool. Did you see it, Chris? Have you seen it, Chris? I have not. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please, please send it to me. Talking crazy to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so well. It looks just like it's like Madden. It's just yeah. running the same. They ran the same play to the same side. It's just it's just power. It's just like they're pulling the guard, uh, and they run power like five times in a row, and then they just start running power to the other side, <laughs> and then one time Daniel Jones just keeps on the same concept eight times in a row. It was just it was wow. it was like a kid playing, and it worked. <laughs> It's it similar worked. to it's similar to what the Saints did against the Seahawks. Just oh, third and three, Taysom Hill. 
Come on, go to the left. Power strong. We're just gonna run it down the left. Oh, we want to do it on the right side. You know what? We'll throw it one time as well. So yeah, it's, I get it. There wasn't even no diversity in it though. Really, it was just. <laughs> it was dimes it, and a. <laughs> yeah, it was like playing Madden. You just keep pressing circle or what? I ain't played in a while. But yes, circle. Yeah, just keep pressing circle, and then that's the that's the play you're running. And they ran it eight times in a row. It was wow. It was fascinating. Um, so I want to go. I want to stay on on Danny Dimes here, um, because. The the way that a quarterback is talked about by his head coach is always very fascinating to me, always very important, um, whether it's how coaches talk about Carson Wentz, like Ron Rivera saying, oh, what's, you know, what's the problem with your team, Ron? Oh, quarterback. <laughs> well, that's bad. Uh, you know, or just how uh, RG3 was cheated in Washington or how Kirk Cousins didn't get along with Mike Zimmer. You can always just kind of feel when how that relationship is going. It's a very important one, as people know, in Seattle with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. With Brian Dable coach of the Giants, I feel like from afar, he is recognizing the importance of that relationship and going out of his way to make it very clear that Daniel Jones is an integral part of the winning that this team is doing. Charlotte, am I tripping? Or does it seem like Dayball is making a concerted effort to do that publicly with you guys pretty much every week? Yeah, no, I mean, again, I've not dealt with Dayball in the past or like how he, granted he was an offensive coordinator, so it's not like he was out in front talking to media and, and having to deal with that. But yeah, he he's very complimentary of Daniel and will say that he's even interrupted, I think, a question at one point. Um, it, the good thing, a little quick aside, is that Dan Duggan will typically go to our post game. He's my beat, uh, partner on the job and then I'll go straight to the locker room. So sometimes I'll miss the, that immediate post game with, with Dable as I'm in the locker, like heading to the locker room. But um, yeah, I think two weeks ago or yeah, two weeks ago, he kind of uh, Dable had interrupted some question to like make sure to point out that it was Daniel that he was like talking about and that it was a, a good job. But um, I think he called him cool as a cucumber just on, on <laughs> Sunday and everyone was kind of, I wasn't there, but again, everyone was kind of like, what, what, what's going on here? But uh, very complimentary knows he's doing everything that he can. And I think that's something for all the, the detractors for Daniel Jones and what he's done in New York previously, you can't deny that he gives everything he can to play and, and to win. He was dealing with, um, an ankle injury ahead of the, the London game against the Packers. And he just wanted to play. Like even when he went out with that injury in that situation, another crazy game that they somehow pulled off. Um, he came back in, did everything he could to play. So his teammates respect him for that. And I think the coaching staff respects him for that. And they're going to, he does what he can put in his body on the line, maybe not smartly sliding all the time to, to get the yards and get first downs. Yeah, it's and, and Daniel's now it's it works. You can yeah. see the perception change publicly, like that Daniel Jones, even if he wasn't playing well, the team's winning, coach says he's playing well. All right, so he's playing well. Um, and it's like he's playing fine. Um, but there are some I'm gonna, I'm gonna get nerdy here, not super nerdy here for a second, but when I see because if I was gonna run an offense for Daniel Jones, I would protect him a lot. I would run a lot of play action, I run a lot of heavy personnel. Um, I make sure he's not he's not getting hit so he doesn't fumble because um, he's obviously had an issue with that. I think he's only lost two this year, which is decent. The Giants are second in early down play action rate at 52%. So there you go. Ryan Dable is like, oh, same, same page there. Yet he's third in sack rate. You know, he's getting sacked more often than Russell Wilson, which is bad. Um, so just from a pass protection standpoint, um, you know, this is a this is a D-line in Seattle that's get, they have nine sacks the last two weeks. They're getting after guys. Um, so from a pass protection standpoint, what are you seeing um, from the Giants? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think that goes back to the O-line and, and sometimes some, some holes and ability to kind of uh, defense to get beyond that. Um, and that's been talked about, and you've got like Evan Neal, who's a rookie, and again, Bredesen, who, who's injured. So that's why I kind of brought that up earlier. It's going to be very interesting to watch this week, kind of how they, the players who stepped up this past week kind of continue and, and what the emphasis is on, on, on practice. But yeah, Danny is, a every time he gets hit with his injury history, just kind of, same with Saquon, they're just so often getting a little nudge or like sacked, and it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, that's the that's the matchup you guys listening right now. That's the 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 sack. How many times can they get to Daniel, and does he eventually turn it over? Um, you know, from a Seahawks perspective, because it's that's been the thing. Uh, you know, in his career, he's just, just turning it over left and right. And then right now, Chris, you know who has the highest, or excuse me, has the lowest interception rate in the league? You know, off the top of your head, I'm gonna take a guess. It's probably Daniel Jones. He is second. Mm, second. I see why you set me up there. Two. It's is. Geno Smith. Yeah. He's only got uh, – I think Tom Brady is actually number one. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dale Jones – Dale Jones only has two. Um, two interceptions. Yeah, it's only two fumbles. Lost. It's just – I know this is your first year covering the team, so that, his, his previous career, uh, his previous turnovers, we don't have a lot of context for those. But just in general this year, how is he taking care – what is he doing to take care of the ball much better than he has before? I think it's the decision making, and again, I keep harping on the coaching, but the the play action and and the running um, emphasis on the run game, and then his ability to kind of use his legs. He's being trusted. I don't want to say trusted more, but they're like specifically creating plays where he is running the ball. I think let me pull it up. He's averaging eight point three carries a game um, when his over his first three seasons it was four point five. So just like that, uh, Dan had that stat in his story earlier today. And I'm just like, and you see that and it's, it's obvious the man is running the ball so much. So I think it's just his ability that the receivers might not be there, but he trusts himself to use his legs. I think is the easy answer is that he's going to run in and get out of situations or, or kind of throw the ball away before he can turn it over or, 
or get sacked. Uh, we're going to get to Daniel Jones as a, Danny Dimes as a runner here, but now you mentioned the receivers might not be there. I'm going to put Chris on the spot here. Chris, can you name four Giants pass catchers? Four of them? You can't, you can't look it up. You can't look it up. Just right now. Can you oh, name four Darius, guys who catch the, catch the Darius, ball for Daniel Jones? Uh, Darius Slayton. Uh, yep, there we go. Uh, I know they have another Niners guy, Marcus Johnson. I remember, didn't, didn't he? Marcus Johnson? There's no lifelines here. Can you just got to name four? That's it. Well, that, that's a don't help. Well, me. am don't I right? <laughs> oh, is he, oh, yeah, is he, is he right? Is Marcus yeah. Johnson? Yeah, Marcus Johnson has one. Okay. Uh, Richie James, who we I mentioned briefly. Um, oh, Kadarius Tony, who's hurt, Kenny Galladay, and there's one more I, dude, David Stills. David Stills. I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> he's like the I think he's the yeah, I think he's behind Marcus, I think. I don't know. I just know those <laughs> names, oddly enough. I watch receivers, man. Let me live. Yeah, that's good. How do you, he got all those right, Charlotte? Yeah, he got those. Wow. And I, I, to be fair, I gave him Tony and Galladay when we were talking earlier. So whether you would have gotten that without, I don't know, but. I'll be honest, I would have gotten Galladay because I loved him in fantasy two years okay. ago. That's the only that's the only excuse I have. But outside of that, I like I like some receivers on the Giants, although they're not producing. <laughs> you did get the more like off base ones, which is impressive. Like Galladay and Tony are the ones you would think like come yeah. to mind right away. Bingo, exactly. Wait, is that Marcus Johnson dude who's played for the Seahawks? Uh, he's a veteran. So. He's played all over. I can't remember if it's been with the Seahawks. Yes. He did? Yeah. He His is picture. Uh, he's the dude that used to rap. He raps. Yeah, if you go to if you like go deep into his Twitter, he's he used to post like freestyles and stuff of him <laughs> rapping. Uh, I don't uh, I don't know how relevant it is now, but that I'll never forget. Dude, was just uh, just on Twitter rapping, like you trying to get signed by Rock Nation or something like that. It was very very strange. Good job, Chris. I could not have named uh, anyone, and Thank I looked, you. I was looking at their stats this morning and still couldn't name. Them. My so, cash app is kid two zero six. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, it was that good. That impressive. Uh, all right. Last thing on Danny Dimes here is his him, him as a runner. Um, you mentioned how often he's running uh, per game. Like among quarterbacks, he's fourth in in attempts. You know, he's second in quarterback scrambles. Uh, Justin Fields is first. Uh, Danny Dimes is third in quarterback rushing yards behind Lamar and, and Justin. Uh, he's got in the end zone a few times on running. You know, only Kyler and Lamar have more designed rushing yards, which is an interesting one because, like you said, Charlotte, he's they're making sure that the plan is to run him, you know, scrambles are one thing, you know, but designed rushing yards being only behind Kyler and Lamar, that's pretty impressive. Um, so what, what's, what's some of the specifics that, that uh, Dable and the coaching staff have done to unlock him uh, as a runner? I don't know. I think he's just, they're giving him the ball more. I think it, it's interesting, like strategy wise is especially with the injury, you kind of see maybe they won't utilize that so much in the first half. And then they'll kind of like do that more in the second half when people have kind of like let their guard down a little bit. And especially you saw that a lot this weekend um, with injuries too. Like there was more emphasis on the passing game this to start. Um, I don't remember what his, his targets were uh, in the first half versus the second, but uh, once the O-line kind of got injured and you, you had uh Wondell Robinson as one of the other receivers who's a rookie and, and he was making some catches this past week, but they're doing a, I don't know. They're just kind of the emphasis is there. He's got, I think the trust to make the decision with the ball too. I mean, you need that trust on a quarterback, obviously, but um, 
when again the receiver core isn't always uh up to standard per se um or just like they're making drops and, and all that he's kind of taking the decision into his own hands i want to spin things and look at the defense as they're going up against a seahawks offense that is is doing pretty well geno smith has been playing pretty darn well this whole entire season with his air yards and just finding guys down the field. I haven't seen him throw passes like this ever. I was at training camp and he was just light, not lighting it up, excuse me, struggling. And then the season progresses and he looks like he might be one of the best passers in the game. I read your story. Again, I mentioned your story earlier about Saquon Barkley returning and he is playing really good football. You have him as a team MVP, but another guy that stood out to me and I want to get more insight on him was defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. I I don't watch a lot of Giants, but I, I have been looking at the film, and he seems just to be a wrecking ball. And he reminded me a little bit of what Al Woods does. Al Woods takes up the middle, destroys guys, and allows other players to make plays, or he makes the play himself. What have you seen from Dexter Lawrence this season, and will that success continue, you think, on Sunday as he looks to make it hell for Geno Smith in the run game with Kim Walker III, who looks to be elite? I know I wouldn't want him in my face, like if I was on the opposing side. So there you go. Um, he's what six four, three hundred forty pound guy. He's a big man. And there's been I actually wrote a story on on Dexter just last week that was really fascinating for me as someone new to the league, just to kind of learn a little bit more about the intricacies. But they switched him more. The uh, Andre Patterson, the the defensive line coach who was up at Minnesota, when he got to uh, got to New York, he immediately wanted to kind of move Dexter more to a nose tackle position, just kind of shift him a little bit on the line for more of that, that three technique that he had been previously playing or other techniques. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of learn about how just that subtle shift and the, the kind of the, as Patterson calls it, the innate gifts that Dexter has and his body with his long arms, he's strong, he's physical, kind of just easy for him. That would be like the natural position for him. Um, so Patterson has worked obviously with, with Lawrence and the rest of the line to kind of bring that out of him. And so that's kind of, I think, been a big difference is just even those subtle changes and, and what they've been able to do with him there has just really turned him into a monster at the, the nose he's playing more of. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. And it, it's kind of tough too with Wink switching, Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator switching around so many crazy schemes that, um, it's hard to kind of keep track of, but just that alone is a big thing that's made him more dominant. Would you say that Lawrence is... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some of the reason why this defense is playing better than a lot of people expected, is he kind of the catalyst in that regard, you think? Yeah, I think you have to put him in that category when I'm, I'm saying all this stuff. Yeah, he's definitely up there, um, and the line has, has been dominant. And we had Leonard Williams, who's also on the defensive line. He was he missed a couple games with an injury, and that really, I think, also, while Dexter had been playing well, allowed him to shine a little bit more because Leonard is kind of that other guy um, on the line. So. 
Well, speak. You just took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be my next guy, Leonard Williams, because in 2020, he was all in Russell's face. He knocked him down five times, had two and a half sacks. And then, obviously, the Seahawks are going to play the Giants this year. And the Seahawks said, you know, we're going to get you an offensive line. We're going to draft Abe Lucas, and we're going to get Charles Cross. And those guys have been studs this entire season. Khalil Mack last Sunday against the Chargers, very quiet. Other than his little scuffle with Kim Walker III, I didn't hear much of him making plays in the backfield getting after the quarterback. So do you think Leonard Williams has an opportunity to make some plays and cause turnovers or just get in the backfield and create havoc getting after these offensive tackles for the Seahawks? Yeah, I think so. There's opportunities there. I think the the emphasis for with Dexter was kind of getting him a little bit more rest because he was, was playing before last week, like 90% of the snaps. So I think there's a little bit more balance there with the two of them, especially as Leonard comes back from his own injury, kind of, uh, I don't want to say easing him in, but now it's probably off that pitch count. Um, so, yeah, I think there's an opportunity. Also, uh, not sure if it's on the agenda to talk, but uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is someone you got to look at, too, with this defense. I was going to ask you about him, but I just remember seeing a <laughs> a quote that he had out talking about F him in regards to the way the Giants are playing. I'm just like, hey, I feel you, man. You know, <laughs> you're worried about what's going on in the locker room, but has he – what are hit what are expectations for him obviously are pretty high. He was the number fifth pick overall in the draft. Has he found his rhythm yet, or is it still he's working things out, trying to find that rhythm and be an active player for the Giants team and make plays? I think he's definitely making progress and he was another again injury. I feel like every player I talk about comes with the caveat of being injured, um, which is new for me coming to football from basketball. It's not the same frequency and number of players to keep track of. But um, especially as a rookie, just having to get used to things. He, he had his first career sack last week against Ravens, got Lamar. So that really was a big boost of confidence. And while he might not have like all these sacks so far to his name, he's getting pressures. He's kind of getting QB hits. He's making an impact where like, again, also kind of uh, maybe, I don't know if you guys, your audience wants to hear this with uh, the Seattle fans, but some calls where uh, Giants fans feel he's might have been held a little bit too, mm. and he might have gotten the sack here or there. Um, so that's a big discussion on Giants Twitter. But I think he's kind of inching his way, finding his footing. Um, but he is someone to, to keep on. That'll be fun to see what he can do against these against Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. One last thing though, for on defensive end, on defensive side of things, cornerbacks. Who are some of the dudes over there that are going to be trying to cover Tyler Lockett? No DK. It sounds like coming up Sunday. We'll find out maybe Friday when Pete. Will Pete have a answer by Friday? You think, Mike, or what are you thinking here? Uh, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. I'm not sure. Let's just be, let's just say DK doesn't play. How do you see the Giants secondary faring against the Seahawks offense without DK Metcalf? Do you see that being an advantage for the Giants? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got Adoree Jackson, who's like the kind of the veteran, and then you've also got Fabian Moreau, who's been stepping up. Uh, Cordell Flott is is someone who's been injured. Um, so he hasn't been out there rookie, uh, but then you've got someone like Fabian Moreau who almost, if it wasn't negated by a penalty, had a game ending interception on Sunday. <laughs> then he had that crazy, like what ended the game was that hit, um, start of a tackle. And then his, his teammates finished that, but the giants don't win if, uh, Moreau is not there, like pounding into the guy on the one yard line and, and pushing him back and misdirecting him. So they found that that's the, the crazy thing. And I think I wrote a story about this a couple of weeks ago is just these names that you don't, that no one really has known for me. It's a little different. I'm in the locker room every day, 
but casual fans are not going to go maybe know the Fabian Moreau's or the, the random O-line players that they're having to rely on. But these are guys who are stepping up consistently and making plays. We're going to find out Sunday. That's for sure. That- <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I follow football pretty close, man. I can't. I was looking at the Giants. I was like, who are these guys? I really, <laughs> I was like, who the hell is Wendell Robinson? I, it's like, I think he's a rookie. So maybe that explains why I didn't know him. But yeah, I was like, who, who the hell are these guys? And Charlotte, the defense really actually confuses me a little bit. Um, it does. It just, this is without having done like a deep film study dive. I watched some film this week, but like the 23rd in sack rate, 21st in pressure rate. So I'm like, all right, not super getting after the quarterback. Um, 23rd in EPA per play. So like, all right, all right. So it's not, not like a super great defense. And then like the, the pass numbers are good though. Like no one really throws on the Giants. They're 10th in net yards per attempt, you know, which takes into account, you know, getting sacks. I'm like, they're not getting no sacks. So what the hell? It's, it's a very, very, very confusing team. I was like, okay, who are the who are the corners on this team? I was looking at that too because before Chris said that, I was like, who the hell is ADB? Uh, only one interception, you know, from from the Giants this year. And I think Charlotte is this right? It's on the fluky play from Lamar. Yeah. Here, yeah, with well, the one where Chris, you see that one? I think Lamar fumbles. Yeah. Picks it up and then tries and throw, <laughs> tries to throw it. <laughs> yeah, he does bad. throw it. Yeah, bad throw. Just oh, bad. Yeah, just it, it was terrible. It was like a Carson Wentz esque type of decision uh there and i'm like all right so is defense good anything let me check the run numbers here oh god <laughs> giving up 5.7 yards a carry uh which is worse in the league uh and 144 yards on the ground per game which is uh which is weird oh no which that's actually a lot i don't know where that ranks uh but for some reason they've only allowed four rushing touchdowns it looks like whereas the seahawks for comparison have given up like 10 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you help me make sense of this defense here, Charlotte? I'm just so confused here. I'm also trying to make sense of it. So you're not the only one. Um, I'm blaming it on my newness to the to the <laughs> league and the team. Um, new coaching staff. I mean, coordinate uh, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale loves the blitz. So that's been like when you talk about the Giants defense, you have to talk about Wink's blitz in. Um but everything else, just this is like the, the story of this team is that they get it done when they need to get it done which I think you were asking me, like, the sustainability of that. I don't know, but, like, it's they feel like it's not luck anymore. And when you talk with them, they're not happy that it's such close games. So I think they don't want, they don't want to be in those situations where they have to have a goal stand and random penalties put them, the Jaguars, into the red zone with 10 seconds remaining. But it's just it's, – it's kind of crazy to think about. And I've never been, like, crazy into the stats before, like – it's kind of fun with this job is getting to learn more and get in on all the, the sap words. But when you say stuff like that, it's like, okay, I don't really know how this is happening, but you just kind of watch it happen. And I don't know, the players get it done is the easiest answer. Yeah. It's so, it's so strange. Like the Seahawks have been weird like this in the past, actually. They're like last year, they were like one of the worst pass defenses in the league for a, a good stretch. They fixed it at one point, but it was bad for a little bit, but they were like one of the best run defenses in the league. So it was like, how are you just, how does that compliment? Yeah, like how are you so good on first and second down, stopping the run, and then third down comes and you just fall apart. Um, they were because they, they had bad pass rushes. It's just so so strange um, how teams sometimes build back to front. Sometimes that's blitzing. It's just it's just crazy. The run numbers though are what stand out to me for this particular matchup, which leads to the question I'm going to ask here: Is there any chance that? that Ken Walker the third doesn't just run for 200 yards uh, on these guys based on what we've seen from the last couple of weeks. 
I think there's a chance and that's because there's so much emphasis on him that maybe someone else runs for 200 yards. There's just been, <laughs> so, I, maybe that's a high number 200 yards, but like the spottiness of this run defense is, is cause for concern. I mean, you kind of see it get exploited throughout um, just the season. Whereas like maybe the emphasis will be on him versus, I don't know, like what well, I think with what Kirsten McCaffrey, right. And the Panthers uh, or game, he didn't have like a breakout game, but someone else did um, when he was still on the Panthers. So that's why I say that. Um, obviously, it's been a couple games since then and a couple teams for, for McCaffrey. But um, yeah, no, I think it, it'll be interesting to watch how that kind of keeps building on itself. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the key matchup, I think, is is can they stop? the run here. And that's also kind of why I lean towards the Seahawks and my, my pick I made earlier. I was just like, I think when you're that bad at the run, like you said, Charles, somebody's getting some yards here. <laughs> yards will be had. Stats will be accumulated. Whether they translate to a win is always up in the air. But, uh, you know, in terms uh, to kind of put a number on what you mentioned about paying attention to him, uh, Rashad Penny is still third in the league among running backs in percentage of his runs that were against an eight-man front. At 52 percent, that's just under Derrick Henry at 54. So basically, Rashad was getting tr the attention of Derrick Henry. Um, Ken Walker is at 46 percent, that's sixth. So he's not too far behind, you know, he's in the top 10. So he's that's higher than Nick Chubb, uh, where Ken Walker's at. So these, these, the Seahawks, they, they get it, their running backs get attention. Um, so I'm sure the Giants uh, will be right at that number too. Uh, so that's a running back matchup, <laughs> yeah, yes. like it. When you the more and you'll you'll see this too, Sean, as you cover the league a little longer. The longer you get in the league, you just get into the nerdy matchups too. Like I did a preview of the Seahawks Chargers last week. Someone asked me my favorite matchup, and I picked like the center versus a nose tackle. And I was like, "That's there it is. I'm I'm official nerd, uh, uh, football person there." So yeah, that, that to get to the justification for my pick that I made, I I'm I'm looking at the run numbers and a little bit of the run film, and I'm like, man, if you. The people stack the box against Ken and he still goes crazy. Um, the Giants can stack the box or not, and they still let people go crazy. I'm like, that's that's where I think it kind of gets decided with that with that pass rush. So I've kind of talked my talked myself into that one uh there. Uh hopefully that comes right because I've been Chris, have I gotten a pick right this year on the show? Um you I picked Denver week one. I know I did that. Yeah, that's let me double check here. I don't, yeah, I don't remember who I picked against the, the, the Niners. It wasn't great. Okay, here we go. So you did pick, you picked, so that Niners game, you picked the Seahawks. No, you picked the Niners. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Got that right. Got that right. Um, I think I picked the Seahawks you, against Detroit, too. Oh, yes, you did that as yeah. well. Okay. The only one that you did lose was the Falcons game. You picked the Seahawks and the Saints. Okay, I picked the Seahawks. There. Yeah, you picked the Seahawks to go to beat the Cardinals. Well, I picked the Chargers last week too. Well, that we're not counting that though, right? Because we already <laughs> no, established that you we already established that one. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, wow. You you more curious how you're doing, you know? Well, no, I was just if I had gotten any right, so I've, I've gotten yeah, you, you've got you've gotten some right. You've gotten one, two, and including Denver, three, four. So not bad. No, I got I got Denver wrong. I picked Denver. Oh. Don't like we're, we're not experts here. We are just, just, uh, just, just throwing, we're just asking questions. 
yeah, because that's the fun thing about football is you you can watch the film, you can look at the numbers, and then it just goes completely left, you know, for whatever reason on any given given Sunday. That is that is the fun part. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Uh, I feel like both. Yeah, I love a match where both quarterbacks got something to prove too. Um, you got two guys in contract years. Um, you know, for for different different ways. You know, one a rookie deal, one a veteran guy, but. Yeah, that, that should be fun. You got anything else, Chris? No, man. We want to thank you for joining the show and giving us your insight. It will be a fun one. Maybe Kenneth Walker goes for 200, Saquon goes for 150, and we'll find <laughs> out who wins. <laughs> matchup of the running backs. I like yeah. it. <laughs> a throwback running back matchup would actually be kind of fun, too. I was telling my homie, covers uh, he works for the New York Times, and he went to the Monday night game. That was the okay. Cowboys, right? And I was like, that's what you should write about, man. Like, in the year 2022, the two marquee guys – on backs. two of the most popular franchises in the NFL um, are running backs, you know, Zeke and, um, and, and Saquon. I think they both had good games uh, on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, maybe a little throwback there. I'm helping either Charlotte's going to write that or I'm going to write that. Or Dan <laughs> it this week. Uh, who knows? Uh, Charlotte plug, plug your social media so people can uh, follow you this week uh, and learn on some giant stuff and, 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 and read about the team and where can they follow you? Yeah, no, it's uh, just, at Charlotte, um, C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E, and then C-R-R-L-L. So that's my Twitter handle. Um, just first name and last name minus the vowels, because unfortunately that was taken when I went to make a Twitter. But um, so yeah, just follow me on Twitter and The Athletic, our homepages. Um, and the Giants, you can follow me and Dan Duggan. Dan's been with the team for a few years now, so he's been through the, the not-so-great years. So this is all, all new to him and, and after his rookie year on the beat in 2016 when they were relatively decent. So this is kind of fun to have that kind of parallel that it's my first year and, and they're doing good. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Dan, man. I, 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 the only times I've been direct super in uh, contact with him was in 2020. Yeah. In 2020 when Deandre Baker and Quentin Dunbar decided to rob some folks during a card game in Florida. Uh, and it was me and him going back and forth on like the legal documents and sources and, it was just a fun time. Hey man, you hear anything? They get arrested. Blah, blah. It was just, Police yeah, report. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sharing police reports and, and and everything, talking to lawyers. It was just a, a fascinating time interacting with uh, with Dan. That's a shout out to Dan. Uh, make sure you follow guys, follow him too. He does good work covering the Giants. Uh, Charlotte, thank you for making your debut in the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate your insight. Uh, hope you have fun in Seattle when you when you come out here. Thank you guys for listening uh, to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Apple, Spotify, The Athletic. YouTube, everywhere. Um, we appreciate the love. Thank you again to Charlotte. On that note, we out. You see, I don't have to drive me up to say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some and try the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things and they feel strange. I told you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag and a color on your lip. Yeah, you Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.